spring seasons are shut down, but the Pac-12 is not shut down. Conference leadership is still meeting. What should their priorities be? And we have an interview with four-star Oregon quarterback commit Ty Thompson. I'm George Reister with Ralph Amthon, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. We appreciate your time, appreciate your energy. Thank you for listening. Please make sure you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, tell a friend about the Pac-12 Apostles and make sure that you share each and every episode. Um, We hope and pray that your families are safe, healthy, and whole from from the coronavirus, that you guys, uh, whether it's financially health wise and all of that stuff will rebound well and we thank you and if you guys want to get in touch with us us send us an email i'm matt i-m-m-a-d at unafraidshow.com ralph how you doing man how are you and the family how's your prepping going (laughs) uh we're good we're good i had a little moment yesterday that was that 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 uh, you know, I, th- I thought everybody in my family was doing a really good job. Uh, wife's a little stir crazy. She's you know having to work from home, same as you know most other people. We got four kids in the house, and I homeschooled two of them anyway. So I figured like, oh, I'll just throw together lesson plans for the younger two, and uh, we kicked that off yesterday, and um, and they were finished with everything that I took like two hours to plan for them they were finished in about four hours <laughs> and I had planned for them all day. So I was like, oh, this, this is, uh, hmm. this is going to be more work than, uh, than I was anticipating. And I got to keep them out of my wife's hair. Cause you know, she's got a big important job or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, that, that there was that. And then at some point yesterday, my dog took off and, uh, and I, I was chasing my dog down and I want to ask other people on the street, to like help and grab my dog but we're supposed to be staying away from each other you know and i think it was at that point of spending a half an hour chasing my dog all over the neighborhood not knowing whether or not i should ask the other people that were out and about for help that it it really hit me how absurd a time that we're living in and i think i i think the only upside that i can think of right now after that experience yesterday is maybe now we all know what it feels like to be khalil tate right just trapped in a weird situation nothing you can do about it oh you would bring it back to your family (laughs) you would bring it back to khalil tate amsden was 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 he really trapped or was there more that he could have done in the situation though i think he could have helped himself out in the situation as well by by running the football a little bit more all i know is i just i feel like it's some added empathy we're all stuck doing stuff with with uh, you know, we're, we're all we're all trying to soldier through, and uh, <laughs> some of us like forward. the leadership, some of us don't. <laughs> okay, that, uh, that's actually less of a terrible comparison as I thought it was. Yeah, okay, but I'm yeah, a, I, uh, I I don't know. I I I have enjoyed Twitter turning into old school MySpace. <laughs> With all these just like little surveys and people talking about the jobs they used to work and everything. And you know there's people out there that are just jotting down some of this personal information so they can steal your credit card. 
you know, I now know your address where you grew up, your first dog's name and your first car. Uh, I'm, I, I think there's going to be some people whose bank account information uh, is compromised here in the near future because we're all just bored trying to figure out how to pass the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the cool part is, is that this off time is an opportunity. Like I, I feel like I saw it as an opportunity early where I was thinking, all right, this is an opportunity to plan some stuff to make some money. This is an opportunity to plan a new thing. Like I've started writing a book. <laughs> I have, um, like there's a few things that are on the agenda where I'm like, all right, all right. Um, George is like, you're not going to make me sit still. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. This is not time for the, for, for idle hands only because I, I want to be a good example to the kids of actually like being productive that yeah. we actually, we are not just running around, just doing stuff. We are, we have breakfast together in the morning. We have lunch together. We have dinner together, which is not, which doesn't always happen because of practices, different people's schedules and all of that. So we're getting significant amounts of family time and without yeah. technology. But at the same time, just being able to use that and just use this opportunity to set yourself up for a better position for the future. Like look at DJ D nice on, on, on Instagram. This dude went from like 200,000 followers to doing like a, a, a Corona party on the weekend where he was DJing for hours upon hours, Barack Obama stepped in. I mean, everybody, this dude is over a million some followers. So guess what is going to, he's going to be doing on the next, like once everybody comes back and it's time for him to get booked to, uh, to, to do parties. Guess what happened to his rate? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Rate just I, went through the roof. I've seen people taking some advantage of some opportunities in the downtime. I mean, if you invested in any, casino stock last week you're rolling in it right because it all bottomed out uh, i mean it could go down again you know it's it's extremely volatile and i'm not making any recommendations but you know if you invested in like penn national gaming which owns a third of barstool sports if you invested last week when it was down below four dollars you know that stock is i think closing in on 13 bucks right now and it was 39 dollars a share right when they uh right in mid-February. So, you know, there's some people making some money back. I noticed that uh, you have um, Oregon softball player, what was her name? Haley Cruz. She's, she's using this time. She lost her senior season in softball. She's using this time to build up her TikTok following, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Her TikTok is going crazy right now. It, so there, there's people out there that are realizing like, hey, I'm, I, I'm not going to, you know... I'm I'm not going to have idle hands during this time. And, and, you know, I, I think I've been in the same boat reworking some of the stuff of, you know, the website that I run down here in Arizona and trying to come up with some ideas. And I, I don't think it's a matter of being opportunistic. It's just, it's just realizing that like, Hey, when, you know, when the chips are down and everybody's kind of standing around, not knowing what to do, you know, if, if you're, if you're a shark, you know, that's antithetical to your being. You can't hold still yeah, or you'll die. So you yeah, exactly. Moving, yeah. If a right? shark stops moving, yeah, he's going to die. But why? But opportunistic, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad word. 
And I think that I mean the it pack- is if you're out selling toilet paper for five bucks a roll on the street. Correct. That's right? a, that some makes you that a not turd. Helpful. Yeah, yeah. Th- <laughs> that is that's price gouging. That's not even being opportunistic. Opportunistic is selling toilet. Is you bought the toilet paper and you selling it for a quarter more per 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 roll. That's opportunistic. Like or opportunistic is using this time to further your brand, further your business for, you know, you know what I mean? Or taking this opportunity to rest because you were overworked. Yeah. That's well, I opportunistic. My, I let my kids well. know. I was like, Hey, everybody's home. They're all going to answer their door. So you guys want to go around with a, uh, uh, you know, with a, with a trowel and a bucket and say, we'll pick your weeds for five bucks. Like you're going to get paid. <laughs> so think about yep. it. Yep. What? Well, I think the Pac-12 at this time that they need to be being super opportunistic because even though the conference is shut down in terms of the campuses, there are no sports going on, really no school aside from online. I mean, every every Pac-12 university has turned into the University of Phoenix right now. And but the commissioner, well, the heads of the the uh, conference in terms of the presidents and the um, and the athletic directors and higher ups, they're they're still having meetings at this point. I'm assuming they're not in person. I'm assuming that they're doing Zoom like everybody else, which Zoom stock is flying through the roof. Um, but I think that they need to use this time to be opportunistic. Because I see some some huge problems coming up. Number one, obviously, there is the financial stuff with the conference that we've talked about over and over again, how far behind the conference is behind other other conferences in terms of revenue generation. But Ralph, don't you think that that with this idle time that they need to be having some priorities about what should be happening in the future because they got the money issue, but now they have time off. Shouldn't they be focusing on the money? I mean, they better, right? I mean, I, the entire conference could end up in a lot of trouble um, w- with this situation. You know, spring isn't necessarily a huge source of, of revenue, but there is some, you know, through ticket sales and through what they have with uh, Pac-12 Network broadcasting a lot of the spring sports. I'll tell you right now, you know, I'm I, I there's nothing to keep up with, so I canceled my Sling subscription. I think I've talked to quite a few people who have done that as well until the Pac-12 comes back. So they're going to lose out on some revenue that way. I'm assuming. Um, so uh, yeah, everything that it really turns into a make or break year. Um, the later in 2020 with, with football, assuming that we have football, you know, they, they're going to have to make uh, a pretty big splash and everyone's going to really have to tighten their belt and make sure that, you know, because you, you have to adjust your budget based on what the um, projections are going to be. We could see the PAC 12 has already dealt with attendance issues. This is a fundamental and foundational event in our lifetimes and in our society you may very well see people hesitate to go to games at all. You might see social distancing become the norm. 
uh, which is something that you and I have talked about on this podcast. I think that we've always been trending in the direction of of home-based consumption, especially out West. This is just going to accelerate that process. So you have to figure out what you're going to be bringing in as far as income. Then you have to make sure that you don't overshoot it the way that UCLA did last year. Uh, and and then you have to you have to make sure that the product is is worth consuming so that you can stay competitive. The the Pac-12 has a lot to deal with and a lot to worry about right now. And um, you know, when have you ever had confidence in Larry Scott's abilities as uh, somebody who can lead through tough times? To me, he's always been somebody that's kind of in wait and see mode. Um, yes. And and kind of follows in lockstep with what other people are doing. I've I've you know, outside of saying, hey, we need to take on an equity partner, uh, which Mark Cuban had floated that idea far before the Pac-12 ever ever came out and said anything about it. You know, outside of that one failed venture, because that was a failure, um, I, I haven't really seen the uh, the Pac-12 take the lead on much in in recent years so i mean i know that you came up with some things that you you think the pac-12 can do um moving forward but i i'd i'd be interested to see if they had anything in mind yeah the the first point the 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 first point that i have is the point that you just made is to stop being reactionary i mean even on the one-year transfer thing the acc took the lead on it when does larry scott ever take the lead on anything I mean, when when you are a the leader of a you're the CEO, you are the you are the head in chief of the conference. You are the the buck stops with you. At some point in time, you have to lead. You have to be out front. Stop waiting on the NCAA to make a decision. Stop waiting on another conference to to, to step their toe in the water. Oh, we don't want to run into any landmines. Guess what? If you are going to be on the forefront, you may run into some landmines. But if you are steering it in the right direction, you will be okay. So here are the things that I think that the conference needs to be focused on during this Corona time off time. Is first thing is football. Football, football, and football needs to be number one, two, and three. Because everything else in 2020 so far, as far as the spring sports, is lost. All that money is gone. You can throw it away. It's never coming back. But the so they need to focus on a when to get back to practice. When is it safe? When is it smart? When is it optimal? But of course, they'll wait for somebody else to get back to work first. Um, and then how to generate interest and additional revenue streams to better service your fans, because the way things and the way people feel at this point in time, it seems very unlikely that you'll be able to get anywhere in between to at your smaller stadiums in the Pac-12, 55,000 people to, you know, 80,000 people packing the stands in September. That doesn't seem likely at this point. So you have to address your fan safety and comp your fan safety and confidence and look at this as an opportunity. So you, the PAC 12 offices in San Francisco, even though it's way too expensive and it should be somewhere else in San Francisco, 
they are close to Silicon Valley. They should be Zooming. They should be uh, video conferencing every single of the major venture capital groups or technology companies to talk to them. What's up? What's next? How can we monetize and, and engage our fans? Because if they don't show up to the stadium, then that can be an opportunity that we can bridge the gap between the ACC, I'm sorry, between, well, ACC, SEC, Big Ten, in terms of that big revenue gap. So if their fans aren't showing up as much as they were, then, and our fans aren't, then this is a place where we can make up that money and be competitive. And then the last two things is, which aren't, which don't involve football, are the eligibility and scholarship numbers for the Spring sports in 2011, I'm sorry, in 2021, which is next season for, you know, obviously sports like gymnastics, softball, baseball, et cetera, track and field, et cetera, et cetera, and lobby the NCAA to make sure that they do the right thing. Don't wait on them to do it. And the last thing, you need to be finding a replacement for Larry Scott, but this thing may have bought him a stay of execution. I am afraid, Ralph. I think that I think that you're right. I think that um, people hesitate to make any major changes. I think everybody's kind of in wait and see mode. Uh, and so, if there was a movement to remove Larry Scott, and you know, I think we both heard from sources that that the dissatisfaction level leading into this event was at an all time high. Um, I think that that you have to look to the current leadership that's in place right now for what we're going to do next. And so it, I think just sort of defaults back to this is, we are talking about being opportunistic. This is Larry Scott's chance to be opportunistic and show that he can make some worthwhile decisions and restore some confidence uh, amongst the university presidents and athletic directors, you know, outside of Michael Crow, obviously who, uh, ha- must have a full back tattoo of Larry Scott's face. So, you know, <laughs> I I think that I think that there are too many things on the plates of the university presidents right now um, to be worrying about Larry Scott. So I think he he gets a kind of a breath of fresh air, and and he gets to move forward. And this definitely buys him some time. And who knows, maybe he can do something positive with it. I don't think any of us really has any idea of what the college sports landscape looks like from here on out. You know, the, the president of the United States of America is saying you know, we need to get back to business as usual. The medical community seems to be saying something else. And so, you know, I, I don't know where the confidence is going to be coming from? Is it going to be state governors? Is it going to be the federal government? Is it going to be the PAC 12 commissioner and saying like, yeah, we, we need to get back out there, have these, um, have these spring practices or some tor- sort of semblance of, uh, of athletes being back on campus, whether it's the football players, you know, going through their summer sessions, um, awarding them their spring practices back so that they don't just go into fall practice with no, um, without any practice field time. I know three or four teams had actually practiced, but 
you know, there, there are way too many decisions to be made right now. Um, to be making a change at the helm. I think that if they were going to do it, you know, it would have already been done. And so, uh, this might be a good time to come up with some ideas for if things don't improve of whether or not you can make a move on, on, on Larry Scott before the end of his contract. But, but as I see it, this is really an opportunity for him to get even more entrenched, uh, because that he, you know, if you're in place, in a time of trials and tribulations, people are forced to look to you, whether they have confidence in you or not. We're seeing that at every level of government all over the, you know, all over the country that we're all sort of at the mercy of the leaders that we put into place, whether we like those leaders or not. And I I don't think anything's different for the PAC 12 conference commissioner. I try not to be, overreactionary overreactionary you know just go off the deep end guy but i'm gonna tell you that i will have lost all hope if larry scott gets another term i will have just just i will give up i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest for the hope of the future of the conference because there's no way you're gonna put your team so far behind with the next TV deal, waiting on the NFL to get done, waiting on an equity part. I mean, just always just standing at the back of the line, sitting at the back of the bus, sitting in the back of the class, waiting on everybody else to get to get done and being like, oh, wow, there, there's not a lot of food left. It's like being last at a at a buffet, you know, like and not not a buffet at the MGM. I'm talking about a buffet at somebody's house. You know what I mean? Like a pot, a potluck. You want to be in the front of the line in the potluck. You don't want to be in the back of the line. And Larry Scott's the guy. No, let everybody else eat first. We'll figure out what's. We'll we'll just uh, eat eat what's up. There'll be plenty of food. I know there's plenty of food, and you get and all you get is scraps left. So I will be rooting for my team, Oregon, to exit the Pac-12. Maybe that Big 12 merger for all the other teams that want to exodus and and be and play with the big boys. I'll be in on that. I'll be in on USC going independent. I'll be in on that. Just anything to get this Yahoo from like out of play, out of out of office, because there's no way that he's doing the right things. Uh, but do you believe when do you think that football comes back though? Um I think that they'll try to keep things on schedule. I really do. I think that they'll move forward and plan for things to um, get going. You know, August, the week of August 1st is where you see a lot of the the fall camp stuff. I'm assuming that they're setting that as a target date right now. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I don't. I've heard a lot of people say that they don't think that football is going to come back. That's not where I'm at right now at all. I think we'll be good on football. I think that I think there's going to be some regret in the way that we initially reacted to the spread of COVID-19 in, in just our reaction to shut everything down immediately because I think that for some people, they'll believe that it set a precedent 
that every single time that we get a new germ, that we should just cancel everything outright. And, um, you know, there's some people out there that have really been pushing that point of view, guys like Clay Travis and everything. And what's that lieutenant governor of Texas who said, you know, old people should be willing to sacrifice themselves for a functioning economy for the young people of the future. Yeah. Also, I also get that that view is incredibly callous and insensitive. You know, I got an immunocompromised four-year-old daughter. My best friend is a 73-year-old Vietnam vet who catches every respiratory illness, you know, that's out there. And so, you know, I want to look out for those two people and everybody's got people in their lives who are a little bit more vulnerable to things like this. But I, I do think that our society just kind of has to learn from the way in which we shut everything down. Um, because there was a possibility that some of this could have been saved. If we took things more seriously, much earlier, we wouldn't have had to outright cancel some things. If we were all willing to stay home for a month back when this was blowing up in China and South Korea and, and Italy, instead of waiting for it to get here and then being forced to just outright cancel everything. And now I think that news broke this morning that the Olympics got moved to 2021. And I, I just think there needs to be a lot of introspection in how we handle these things, because in the end, I think we were left with absolutely no choice, but to shut everything down to its fullest extent. Um, because we we weren't as responsible as we could have been early See, on. Well, the, well, the problem is, is we like half-assed did it, though. Like, if you're going to yeah. shut everything down, just shut everything down for two weeks. Like, look, like, you're not going nowhere. No, like, nowhere. No travel, no nothing. Shut everything yeah. down for two weeks, and you would have had everything under control. Instead, you went like two week shutdown bailout with universal basic income for a for a month to keep the the economy going, and but instead we let Florida's governor decide that the beaches should stay open, while you know Virginia's governor canceled school for the entire school year, which who knows how many economic effects that that will have in just parents yep. having to work from home or having to surrender their jobs outright. So, I mean, we're in the middle of a huge mess right now. And I, but even though that's all going on, I am still optimistic that four months from now we will be preparing for football. I'm, I'm trying as I am hard optimi- as I can to be an optimist. I'm optimistic about it. However, I do understand that if we get back to work and this thing pops off, it could that that the that the lukewarm approach to it would would not be good you know what i mean like that yeah. like that sometimes you just have to instead of just you know kind of just easing into things no just you just drop a hammer down and say nope there there is a force field here if it, we are going to block everything and then once you get it under control boom you go back to work that's easy I- work I just, I want to have faith in humanity that we're learning some of these lessons, right? Like, I don't think Rudy Gobert is going to be touching anybody's microphones anytime soon. Uh, but Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, who is a doctor, I mean, he's a, he's an ophthalmologist. He's an eye doctor or whatever, but he's still a doctor. That dude took a test. And while he was waiting for the results, he went to the gym, the Senate gym. Took the a Senate swim. Old people. Like, what, what an asshole. Like... <laughs> Dude, right? he's worse than Rudy Gobert. 
He's no, so, worse than Rudy Gobert. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, well, that's a dude that's really entrenched in doing what he's going to do. He, his arrogance is what got him sick in the first place. It's what endangered other people. And I don't think he's going to learn any lessons. And I just wonder what percentage of America is actually going to learn anything from, from, from what went on. So I'm worried about that too, that we come back too early that we, because we half asked it, that there is a giant breakout that a bunch of the people that were like, but the economy, but the economy, that they're the ones that end up getting sick. You know, I, (laughs) what then, then what, then, you know, then what happens? And so I, I just, I'm trying as hard as I can to imagine that people will still be somewhat responsible, social distance themselves through the summer so that we can have football. Can we please have football? I want, yes. Can we please have football back? I mean, like that's the thing. I, I would say I am so excited about the NBA finals because I believe that this is the Lakers year. That like I would sacrifice the NBA finals and MLB, most of the MLB season. I would sacrifice all of that just to make sure that football like if, if I had to give up like a blood sacrifice, I would give up that. I would give up all of that. I would give up the entire summer just to ensure that football's back. <laughs> Well, as an Oregon alum, I would think that you would be excited if we do get football back because there's a young man out of Gilbert, Arizona, not too far from me, named Ty Thompson. He's a he's a big, broad-shouldered, six-foot-four guy with great arm talent, awesome poise in the pocket, and he is Oregon's latest commit. And I actually had an opportunity to, to have a chat with him earlier today and I, I got to ask you, George, are you excited for the addition of, of Ty Thompson to the Ducks family? Yes, dude. Anytime you add in a quarterback who's also an athlete who can make who can run like make plays with his legs. I mean, that's the new age quarterback position. Look at Trevor Lawrence. He can throw it. He can move. Uh, Deshaun Watson, throw and move. Patrick Mahomes, throw and move. Right, Tua Tag Tagovailoa, throw and move. Justin Herbert, throw it, throw and run. Even though they didn't let him run until the end of the season, that's the new way that Joe Burrow. That's the way the new quarterbacking position is. Statues don't win anymore. So I am excited about that, and I think let's hear what you guys had to talk about, Ralph. Ralph Amston, Pac-12 Apostles Podcast. I am here with 2021 quarterback Ty Thompson out of Gilbert, Arizona, just gave his verbal commitment to the University of Oregon. How you doing, Ty? I'm doing well. How you doing? Not bad, man. You you uh you provided I guess what was a nice little break in a cascade of terrible, terrible news uh day in and, and day out. Things are pretty crazy out there, but you know, you you were able to uh to kind of close out your recruiting and I think football fans are really thankful just for the the short break from all the all the bad news, all the virus-related news to to celebrate uh, at least Oregon fans anyway to celebrate <laughs> somebody giving a commitment. What was it like to just kind of get that over with uh, amidst every crazy thing that's going on out there? Yeah, it was really uh, you know uh, relieving just getting getting off my shoulders, getting the, getting the whole process kind of shut down, um, so I can kind of focus on my my senior year and going out and winning football games. So, you know, getting, getting this whole situation taken care of and over with is a uh, big deal. It's been really, really big. Now, 
You are the third Arizona-based quarterback to commit to Oregon. I think in the last four years, Ryan Kelly's commitment didn't stick. He ended up flipping to ASU, but Oregon's done a really good job at coming into the state of Arizona, uh, getting kids to want to go out to Eugene. What stood out for you about that school in particular? You've got an in out there, right? I mean, you were out working out with uh, Tyler Shuck recently, who is projected to probably be their starting quarterback. He was out here at Hamilton High a couple years back. And, um, you know, it's got to be helpful to have somebody out there who you know and trust who can kind of give you the lowdown on what exactly is going on at the schools that are recruiting you. Yeah, it is really nice. Tyler's a really good kid. He's a really good quarterback. Um, he came from Hamilton, like you said. Uh, I've done with him for years. Uh, years back, so he's a really good kid, and it's really good to have someone out there, like you said, to trust and kind of run things by and make sure, you know, as a quarterback as well, um, you know, he can run questions by him about the offense because he's kind of a, a more veteran guy, so it'll be really good for me to get out there and have a little uh, kind of mentor in, in Tyler. It's been an ongoing thing on this uh, show that I do with uh, with George Reister, who used to play for Oregon. Um, where uh, I see all these rankings of Pac-12 quarterbacks going into next year coming out. Tyler's always like sixth or seventh. And I think a big reason is just a lot of people haven't actually seen what he can do, haven't seen him play. I personally feel like he's the most slept-on player heading into next year. What do you think of Tyler's game? I, I agree with you. He's a really good quarterback. He, you know, I say with him. Uh, Sunday, and he's uh, yeah, a really, really good quarterback. I feel like the things that he can do are uh, really special. Um, he's definitely slept on, like he said. Um, he's probably, if not number one, top three uh, quarterbacks going into the 2020. Um, and he's going to do special things for the offense. So I'm excited for Tyler um, see what he's going to do this year. Now, I've been watching you since you were a sophomore. I came out to your the scrimmage you guys actually had against Hamilton. Um, prior to your your sophomore year, that was the first time I got to see you play. I mean, you've been tall for a while, but you're starting to you're starting to fill out. You're starting to get big. Uh, even my guy uh, Blair Angulo over at at twenty four seven, he was saying that out at uh, one of the camps recently that parents were asking if you were a college football player. Uh, <laughs> what is it? What has it been like? Just to kind of, I mean, you, you were you were kind of like a wiry six foot four sophomore kid. You've been filling out over over time. Do you feel like you you're, you're kind of in a place where uh, physically you're able to, to hold up and hold your own um, in that 4A division? Because it's, it's kind of a – you, you play in kind of an interesting division where, you know, there's not like a ton of D1-level kids, but you do get a lot of really good football players that you get to go up against. And, and I, I, I would say just at first glance, even any parent in the stands or anybody on the sideline would say that you have kind of a physical advantage uh, over the last year of just kind of getting bigger. Yeah, uh, getting bigger is kind of, I, I, like, I like working out and doing all that stuff. Uh, getting bigger is kind of just a product of all that. Um, but I'm also trying to get ready for uh, the next level. Um, getting in, coming 
a freshman year, I don't want everything. Um, you know, I, I don't want all the all the pressures. You know, um, one of the things you know that freshman quarterbacks usually have to come in, put on twenty pounds. I don't want that to leave me. So I'm just getting one of those things that I have to worry about uh, out of the way, so I can focus on learning the playbook and um, getting other guys and start starting to you know lead lead the guys. Um, will be will be very important to me. So you you want you want you want to be like the rest of the college students trying to avoid putting on weight instead of the the football players that have to go in and, and pack a bunch on right away. Um, exactly. So I, from watching you play, probably my favorite thing about watching you is, you know, you you got hit quite a bit uh, in a couple of the games that I went to last year, and it seemed like you had a really short memory. Once the sack was over, you moved on to the next play. You know, you didn't, you weren't barking at your offensive line. You weren't dejected because the, you, you had a receiver that was going to come open and you weren't able to hit him because the protection broke down or anything like that. It was just next play, let's go. And, uh, and I think you have to have kind of a short memory like that. If, if you're a, you're a quarterback, where, where does that mentality come from of just, you know, having that short memory, being able to move on to the next play? It's just kind of the positive vibes that I've, I've always had. Um, putting your teammates down is never going to make them feel any better because they know they messed up. That's not helping anything. So just moving on to the next play or continuing the play that you're, you're in. You know, if the protection breaks down and you have to make a play, make a play. That's not their fault if you, if you get sacked. You can, you can make a play if you need to. So I feel like that, that mentality is just really just beneficial for the whole team, for the whole offense, just so you can continue making plays and so you're, you're lying and everyone else now before your playoff run last year where you guys ended up winning the 4a state championship i went on sports 360 az uh, i went on television and I'm, I'll, I'll regret this forever it might be the dumbest thing i ever said um where i said that like i love mesquite and i love their players but they only have like 25 kids and at some point like that lack of depth is gonna it, it's it, it's gonna be an issue and, you know, not only did you guys prove me wrong, you had like two thrilling comeback uh, victories and then you held on to win um, the, the, the state championship. What made the group that you were playing with so special last year that you were able to overcome sort of a lack of depth, a lack of numbers, and, and, and ultimately succeed? Yeah, it was really the, the, the mental toughness that we had going into the season and into the playoffs. Coach Harris did a really good job shaking the team we were really confident in each other um, in, in the in the process that we were you know gonna eventually make it to the state championship we, we were thinking about going to the state championship and playing against Desert Edge since this time last year so and, and it came to fruition and then um, however many however many guys we walked out on the field with that's as many guys as we did as long as it was 11 we were playing football we were gonna win a state championship so um, see if you were like you and all the other guys um, kind of making us the underdog going into everything kind of also fueled the fire a little bit so it was just a combination of a bunch of things oh well you're welcome I guess uh, so <laughs> you have um, uh, you, you had kind of an interesting recruitment I think this is probably everybody in today's day and age uh, where you had some offers come in there were definitely some offers you were excited about and then all of a sudden that coaching carousel hits and every offensive coordinator's taking a new job somewhere else every position coach is taking a new job somewhere else how did your recruitment evolve just from watching that whole coaching carousel go down and the people who had extended you offers moving on to different schools 
You can't you can't like ignore anybody or dismiss anybody either because today's grad assistant at some school you might not be interested in might end up being your position coach at the school you do end up at. So you kind of have to give everybody the time of day and 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 be respectful of of everybody because you you literally never know what could happen. There was a time when I thought that I was like, oh, LSU's coming after Ty Hard. Like that might be ultimately where he ends up. And then I think Coach O is like the only person. You know, maybe they have two other coaches that stuck around. Everybody else was able to build on that success and take those opportunities. Um, and then you're in a situation where you stay on the West Coast in the Pac-12. You're in Arizona. You see all these talented quarterbacks. You've done these camps in California. You see all the the California quarterbacks. We've got a lot of guys leaving for the Midwest, like Jack Miller did last year. We got guys leaving for the Atlantic Coast, um, uh, like Finley did. Um, why stay why stay out west when the world is kind of your oyster um as as a quarterback especially a west coast quarterback everybody wants you guys um, i feel like this is just the best fit for me the people in the room in the locker room were, were really similar to me the coaches were all similar similar people they're teaching you know a good offense to the whole team and they're picking up really well so i feel like just the whole fit, the whole vibe of Oregon was perfect for me. Uh, West Coast schools are obviously different from East Coast schools, East Coast kids and all that stuff. So, um, and Midwest kids, same thing. So I feel like it was just the best fit for me. Not necessarily saying that the East Coast or Midwest wouldn't be a good fit for me, but I feel like Oregon was just the perfect fit for me um, with the people and the coaches and everyone you know, in the buildings and all that stuff. Who are you most excited to play alongside when you get up there? You've got, I mean, you've gotten to throw with everybody um, on the West Coast. Who could blow up that we're not really paying much attention to uh, right now? It doesn't even have to be your class. Just somebody that you you throw with that you feel like uh, ha- has a, a bright future ahead of them. Um, in Arizona, I think um, TJ London. Uh, he goes to school in North Carolina. Oh, at Blue Ridge. Yes, he's a really good quarterback. I'm not even, like, he's very stepped up. And I, I can't wait for his recruitment to take off because he's a really good quarterback. He plays some uh, linebacker, too. Yes, he's, and he's an athlete. You're talking about how he can dunk. He's, he's like 6'1", 6'2". He's talking about how he can dunk and stuff like that. He's really, 
it was a nice kid too. I feel like wherever he goes, he'll, he'll land and he'll he'll um, make the room his because he's just a nice kid. He'll, he'll grind hard on the offense. So shout out my boy PJ. <laughs> right on. My last question is: since it is the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, uh, which team are you most excited to play against when you get out to Oregon? He's the real deal. You're you're gonna find this out too. That like once you once you commit, um, all of sort of like the, the the mystique around you kind of fades, and and you see a lot of guys who commit early sort of drop in the rankings. I've noticed sometimes because it's it's one of those things where like okay, well they're already committed, so we're gonna pay attention to the guys that aren't. For anybody that doesn't realize it, I just need you to vouch for me. Jake Garcia is the absolute real deal, isn't he? Yeah, I just I, I need people to not forget about him because he's uh he he's he's gonna be real special. But I think those guys that commit really really early, you, people kind of stop talking about him a little bit over over time. And he's he's definitely a he's he's a good quarterback, and he's had to he's had to bounce around a little bit in high school just to overcome some adversity and stuff. So I think uh, I I, would, I can't wait to to potentially see Ty Thompson Jake Garcia matchup, uh, and who knows maybe in a in a Pac-12 championship game. Ronnie, man, well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Well, we see that uh, that I I was wondering how kids were going to handle this with working out and all of that because they know they got to be ready for the season, but they're still trying to social distance. This has to be a hard time for them and their parents, too. It does, and, I mean, he actually, you know, you heard him talk about the fact that last Sunday he still got together with a group of quarterbacks um, and even Tyler Shuck included, uh, and, and threw some balls, uh, out there, uh, in Arizona. And so, you know, it, this can only, yeah, some people are, are, are practicing the social distancing and everything like that, but you know, he's still, if he wants to be successful, he has to find some way to get some work in. And so, you know, he's already out there training with future teammates, um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, he, he's somebody who really likes to put work in and he's somebody who, I mean, he's almost maybe a little bit better prepared for the, the reality of the world right now, because first of all, young people are just more resilient period. Uh, yeah. and second of all, he, all his life has been his uncertainty ever since winning the state championship down here, his recruiting process took off, but his recruiting process took off right in the middle of the coaching carousel. Right. So he has all these yeah. different coaches who want him to come uh, play for their universities. And all of a sudden their university is not their university one week later. And so, you know, I think that that gives that gives uh, Oregon a little bit of an advantage in that your lead recruiter is Mario Cristobal. Right. And he's the head coach and he's going to be sticking around. And you and I have talked about, you know, there's a pretty good chance that their OC situation is very temporary and so you want to have the head coach be the one that's on board you want to have the head coach kind of be your lead recruiter uh but he he also likes the area he's got people that he knows that are on the team right now um yeah and so i mean it it sounds like he's pretty solid you never know 
with, with these kids because, you know, Ryan Kelly is somebody from out of, out of Arizona who was committed to, to Oregon and they were laser focused on him. And, you know, they probably could have had Tua if they weren't. And he ends up flipping at the last minute and going to, going to Arizona state and has since medically retired. But you know, that so you never really know what's going to happen with these players, but I'd say that Ty sounds like he's happy to have his recruiting out of the way and excited to join Tyler Shuck up there. In yeah. I think that this is going to, that this coronavirus situation is going to impact recruiting. The kids are going to want to get locked in a little bit quicker because they don't know. They're like, ah, yeah, I'll, I'll make a decision. I'm not going to wait this whole thing out especially if i'm pretty sure about where i want to go i'm gonna lock it in just to make sure that none of this blows up and i end up out in the cold if i'm not mistaken oregon's already at like six commits for the 2021 class yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're doing a they're doing a good job dude like um they're they're trying to get their entire 2021 class wrapped up by the early signing period and then move on to 2022s for while everybody is still working on 2021 they're trying to have 2022 sewed up early too uh, we're doing a really good job with uh, that but i love though ralph how how you had to uh how you had to uh own up to saying that ty's team was gonna lose in the championship Oh my, yeah, my dumbass went on TV before the last season started, and I said, uh, I, 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 I had a couple of times where I put my foot in my mouth. I said, you know, the biggest question that I have uh, for the for the season down here in Arizona was whether or not Mikey Keene could fill in for three-time state champion. Uh, Jacob Conover, who ended up uh, committing to BYU as a quarterback out of Chandler High. That kid led Chandler to their first ever undefeated season and a state championship. And then I also said, you know, there's no way that Ty Thompson's a mesquite uh, team with just 25 kids on their roster or whatever absurdly low number it was. You know, I I, I said that they weren't going to be able to compete with the big boys and they went out and won a state championship as well. So I, 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 uh, I usually don't go out on a limb like that. You motivated them. He should yeah. thank you, Ralph. I was on a show out here called Brad Sesmet's Football uh, Arizona, and I, he, I think he just wanted me to be bold in my predictions, and I just <laughs> I, I I face planted on both of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Well, um, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Ty Thompson. We're gonna have many, many more guests on. Ralph did a great job getting uh, that. And we want to thank you guys, as usual, for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. We appreciate your time, appreciate your energy. Thank you for that. Peace out. Catch you guys later.